Ladies and gentlemen, Oscar Shibwe is back. He has officially announced that he is returning to Kentucky for his senior season. We talk about that with Matt Upchurch of the Kentucky 15 podcast on today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You are Locked on Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Online where the game starts. On today's episode of Locked on Kentucky, we've got a conversation with Matt Upchurch of the Kentucky 15 podcast to talk about Oscar Shibway's return to the team. Absolutely huge news for the Wildcats. Figured I'd have Matt on to kind of talk about what's going down in Kentucky's front court, what this means for Kentucky's upcoming season. Are they a legitimate national title, or national title contender with Shibway back? What else do they need to do on the recruiting trail to kind of fill out the roster? All of that and more with Matt Upchurch. Let's go ahead and kick it to our conversation with Matt. Hope you guys enjoy. We are now excited to be joined by Matt Upchurch of the Kentucky 15 podcast. Having Matt on consistently here every single Wednesday on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. And Matt, have some really, really big news to discuss. Oscar Shibway announcing that he will be returning to Kentucky for his senior season. The man, the myth, the legend is back for another year with Big Blue Nation. Just immediate thoughts about his return. I know you mentioned on last week's show that you're like, I'm pretty sure he's coming back, and here he is. Tell you what, Big O, he's back. Uh, the only thing that makes my favorite day of the week, Wednesday, I can come on, the Locked On show, the only thing that makes it better is Oscar picking this day to announce he's back. Right? Um, tell you what, it, Lance, maybe you've looked it up. I haven't, but the last time the national player of the year returned. Um, I think I, I, I read somewhere on Twitter that maybe it was Hansborough from North Carolina. So we're talking about, you know, it's been a decade since something like this has happened, but you've got, you know, Oscar shattering, you know, some, some Kentucky rebounding records this year and double doubles and stuff like that. And the big man's coming back. Uh, so now you've got your anchor, the big piece you want to build your team around uh, a leader, right? A, a guy who will sacrifice for the team. I'm pumped. I think all of big blue nations pumped, but, it, you know, this is huge, man. No doubt about it. And I'll say this. I have not looked up the the last I, I've, I've not looked up like the, the last several national player of the years and like whether or not they've returned. But actually, recently, I have looked at the past decade of national players of the year, and I believe that seven of them were like lottery picks. Yeah. And and it's not it's not consistent that it, it's not consistently where those guys come back. And it's not consistent where they those guys are flops. So I think this with Oscar Shibway coming back is just a really big exception to what has consistently been a rule, which is like if you win this award, you're probably going to do some special things down the line. And so I think this is just absolutely phenomenal news. And I'm, I'm not necessarily going to sit here and knock on the fan base for their negativity because I think a lot of it was warranted. I understand people being upset if you lose in the round of 64 to a 15 seed. Uh, so I, 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 get, I can get behind the frustration there, but like just sure. a lot of negativity surrounding 
the fan base on social media, at least from what I've seen. And I think that this is some really positive news and it's a step in the right direction this offseason. Now, the shade and sharp news here within the next couple of days, I'm afraid it's just going to send people all the way back down and people are going to start crying again. But who knows what's going to happen there? Honestly, I, I genuinely don't know. But I, I think that just first off, I think that this is just something that the fan base needed, which was positivity. I think they desperately needed this news. Yeah, I mean, he's not only what I, I think his averages were 17 points and 15 rebounds. I mean, that that's ridiculous. I mean, it, it's tough to find a player more productive than that. But also you, you talk about his personality and his smile and and how much he loves, you know, Big Blue Nation and the fans. I mean, he's he might after his two years here. I mean, he might go down as the most loved player uh, in, in Kentucky history for a lot of fans now. Certainly the Cal era. I think what maybe Tyler Ulyss because he was so mm -hmm. small and, and kind of feisty. Um, but no, I mean, this is just, this is a big personality coming back, a love player and obviously the stats, you know, I, I mean, 17 points and 15 rebounds, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he can replicate that. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a season. Um, so we'll see if he can do that again, but you're right, Lance, you said it. I mean, it, it's a couple days, probably a good news here centered around Oscar and pumping up big blue nation. Uh, but that Shane Sharp announcement, I mean, that could, that could send Kentucky fans over the top and joy and, and elevate us to a new level, or he could rip the hearts out of a certain segment. I wouldn't, won't say all of the fan base, but a certain segment of the fan base. I'll say this. If he does announce that he's coming back, I said this to you before we started recording is like, I may just be obnoxious for the rest of this offseason and be like, we're winning the national title. And there is nothing stopping that. Like we're yeah, going to see the, the 40 and O t-shirts coming back out and stuff like that. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I will go ahead and I'll put 40 and 0 in my bio, just a projected 40 and 0. But we're talking up here for a second about what this specifically means for Kentucky season. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, you know, 17 and a half points per game and 15 rebounds is coming back. One of the most dominant players of the Cal era is coming back. One of the most loved players of the Cal era is coming back. And that's actually a question I wanted to ask you here at the beginning is, is this the most dominant player that Cal has had? I asked this question on Rupp Rafters a couple of weeks ago, and some people said it was Anthony Davis. Some people said it was Oscar Shibway. Some people said they couldn't make up their mind. Where do you stand on that? Ooh, yeah, that's. I guess that just comes down to, to personal taste. Um, I would say, I'm going to say Oscar, uh, and that might just be recent bias, but I'm going to say Oscar because I think Anthony Davis certainly had some highlight blocks, right? And, and some highlight alley-oop dunks and, and stuff like that. He was a high flyer. But as far as a consistent night in, night out, double-double machine, mm -hmm. uh, who could give you 31 points and 17 rebounds in a game, you know, I, I think it's Oscar. Um, he was he was about as consistent as you can be. And, you know, he didn't fly high, you know, especially blocking shots uh, like Anthony Davis. But I'll tell you what, I mean, every night he brought it. Yeah, I mean, every single night um, he, he played good defense. Again, he wasn't blocking a ton of shots, but he played good defense. But offensively, I mean, if you're going for 17 and 15 SEC, especially kind of being the focal point of, of every opponent's scouting report, yep. I, I'm, I'm going to go with Oscar, yeah. I think that, you know, it's definitely like you set up the personal preference, but there are a lot of statistics that would indicate that it's Oscar Shibway. And, and when you just watch what he did on the court, just – how physically dominant he was and how consistent he was every single night with what he did. You know, there would be nights where he had 14, 13, 12 points and some rebounds. And then there would be nights where he had 30 points. You know, he, there, there was never really like a, a, a 
a game where he bottomed out, right? There was there was never a game where it was just a complete flop. He was always doing something for the Wildcats, always putting something, at least somewhat impressive, out on the court. Uh, again, just talking about what this means for Kentucky season, the production is absolutely incredible. I think that, like I said earlier, kind of joking, but I'm also kind of serious. Kentucky's in the national title contention. At least they're in the picture for it, for it for sure. Uh, now, there are a couple of pieces that I think they're going to need to pick up to really round out the rest of this roster and the transfer portal. Maybe a freshman and Leonard Miller. We'll get to him later on in the show. Um, but right now, according to Joe Lenardi, who you can say what you want about Lenardi and what you think about him, but he has Kentucky as the projected first overall seed. Now, does that mean anything at this point in the offseason? No, not really. But at the same time, it's like I think it's going to be well-documented before the season starts. You know, Kentucky is going to be at the forefront of national co title conversation. And if they can get a couple more pieces, I think they're definitely going to be primed for a special season. Well, in Lenardi, I don't know how many intangibles he takes into account, but certainly from a coaching perspective, you've got Oscar, not just returning with all of his stats, but with that taste in his mouth of what it's like to lose in the first round mm -hmm. and, and to not play in an SEC title game. Now you combine that with maybe Severe Wheeler coming back and, and Jacob Toppett coming back. And I, I think Keon's probably gone, so we don't need to get into Keon, but maybe Keon. So now you've got players who who lost in the SEC tournament before they wanted to and then lost in the NCAA tournament before they wanted to. And, and that's that's a, a group of guys who can really get them focused, you know, come come March and and the national tournament. And so I think that's huge. Um, you're right. There's still a couple pieces left. But I mean, if you've got Oscar and Wheeler and Toppin and Frederick, then you bring in a couple of dogs, you know, freshmen coming in. And I I know you probably saw the highlights there, the Jordan Brand Classic with Casey Wallace, especially. But I tell you what, Lance, you, you got a, a pretty good roster built already. And with with the sharp announcement that we don't know about coming up, sure, okay. But I think Joe Lenardi is probably also looking at if Sharp does leave, we probably have someone like Antonio Reeves coming in, and then mm -hmm. probably somebody on top of that as well. Um, so Sharp comes back. I mean, you got yeah, top five draft pick without a doubt. Uh, if he doesn't come back, I think you bring in you know a, a couple guys from like Illinois State, like Reeves for example, right? Who who can really light it up and score. So. I'm not surprised at all. Again, this far out, who knows what it means, but I think Coach Cal's got a pretty good roster right now. Before we continue our conversation with Matt Upchurch, want to tell you guys about our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the the trends and the action that's been online where the game starts i wanted to talk about rounding out the roster with you and about whether or not kentucky's front court is ready for next season you just mentioned potentially getting sharp to return he would be a really good shooter uh, antonio reeves statistically he was a good shooter last season now overall his product at illinois state from an offensive standpoint from an efficiency standpoint was not the most impressive Really struggled to get to the rim at times, but still, uh, like you mentioned, a dog when it comes to just a, being a bucket getter, essentially. And he could be a really valuable piece for the Wildcats. But 
looking at Kentucky's front court, you mentioned you believe Keon Brooks is probably going to be gone. I'm there with you. I, I don't know. I, I'm certainly both of them aren't going to return. If I had to pick one, I'm going to say Keon's probably going to be the one that's going to hit the door. But if Jacob Toppin returns, you're looking at him, Damian Collins, Lance Ware, and Oscar Shibway in that front court. Are you confident? with that front court at the four and the five spot heading into the 2022-23 season? Or do you think Kentucky needs to do a little bit of work there? I'm confident. Um, I, I think they will. And I know you're going to talk about uh, Leonard Miller later. I think they'll keep pursuing him because he's such a talent. Uh, so if you can get him, you get him. But um, I I think, I mean, Damian Collins was the first one to announce he's returning. So my guess is there was something in the, in the after the season conversation with the staff, with Coach Cal, I'm guessing there was something that was said to lead him to, to believe, you know, he's going to have a big year next year, whether it's a development plan that they have for him or playing time plan that they have for him. Um, I'm guessing Damian Collins was told something, you know, right after the season that has him coming back. And, you know, a freshman season can be tough on a lot of kids and you got that kind of sophomore season jump. So I look at that for Damian Collins. Um, Toppin, I think Toppin's coming back. I mean, think about what he's going to be doing all summer. He's going to be training with NBA stars, you know, I mean, with his brother up there. Um, and then Lance Ware, I tell you what, I'm a Lance Ware fan. I am. I, he'll do some dirty work for you. Um, but I actually played around a little bit with with the, the stats today. He only averaged six minutes a game, but two points and two rebounds in six minutes. And I know you know that Cal loves throwing all his per 40-minute stats out there. Well, Lance per 40 minutes was 10 points and 12 rebounds. It, you know, it, it it's kind of a, a dream stat or whatever. Then if you get into per 100 possessions, it's 13 points and 17 rebounds. So I think Lance is a lot more valuable and a lot more efficient than a lot of us think because he doesn't get the minutes. But I, I like Kentucky right there, um, you know, with the four post players, front court members that you talked about. But again, I think if, if you got a chance at Leonard Miller, I, I think you keep going after him. Yeah. I really like the stats there that you had about Lance where in his efficiency – I, I think that he could be a guy, if he gets some more minutes for the Wildcats, he could be somebody that will continue to show out whenever he does get opportunities to do so. There, it's interesting. I, I was talking about Lance Ware a couple of weeks ago, and when you look at his scouting reports coming out of high school, said that he was not the most physical player and said that he was actually more of an outside shooter. And during his minutes, he's gotten at Kentucky, and that was that was written by 24-7, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And look at his time during Kentucky. I mean, during his heroic moments that he had, and they were, they were, they were sparingly, uh, he had uh, just a limited amount of those moments, but he was physical. He got rebounds. He got putbacks. He got and ones. And he wasn't really an outside shooter. So I, I think that I'm not, I'm not out here to, to criticize 24-7, but I'm just saying like, I like what he, he is as a backup for the Wildcats. And I think that's what you want out of somebody coming off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. It, what he can do in the game and then what he can do in practice with that physical, strong body against Oscar every day. I mean, right. you want somebody making Oscar better. Um, I kind of think back to, I, I can't remember the year now, but Marcus Lee came up real big in the NCAA tournament. I wouldn't say Michigan for sure. He got a couple of putback dunks and alley-oop dunks and just rebounded, played played good defense. That's all you need. That's, that's what Lance, I mean, I don't think Lance Ware is coming back next year because he wants Oscar's role. You know, I mean, he's coming back because he wants to win. He he wants to be a glue guy. Um, and then maybe the year after that, it's kind of more his show. But I'm I'm a huge Lance fan. And obviously, you know, Damian Collins, he's got the potential to to have that 
oh, I don't know, that that Willie Cauley Stein uh, kind of role where he's long, he's athletic, he can block shots, he can switch screens. Um, so like you said, I, we got four guys, including Toppin in there, we got four guys who I think can be really productive. And then talking here for a second about the five-star Leonard Miller, Kentucky in his top three, Arizona, the G League, and Kentucky. He mentioned, uh, I believe just a few months ago, that if the G League were to offer him, he would be strongly considering that. I believe his ad direct quote was, it was like, it's a very visible option for me right now. And so I, I think that Kentucky's got a really good shot there. Had him on campus just a few days ago uh, just to kind of see what the Wildcats were about. You look at his scouting report. He's a left-handed guy, six foot nine. Six foot ten ish, I believe, according to On Three. And something else that On Three actually notes is that over the span of eighteen months, he went from six foot four to six foot ten, yeah. which is just crazy to me to even think about. Um, but yeah, he will probably be playing for the the four for the Wildcats if he does elect to to uh, commit. Uh, on Three also notes that he's a mismatch uh, as a big, really good defender, really good in the half court. A uh, very, very balanced and controlled player, even though they do note that his jump shot's a little off. But overall, I, I think that he would be another really good addition to what already is a solid front court. So if you're talking about Toppin, Collins, Ware, and Shibway, I think that's perfect. I think that's absolutely perfect. And then also you have to consider guys like Chris Livingston who are coming in that are listed like six foot five, six foot seven, that are, could also be contributing at the four at times if Kentucky wants to go to a smaller lineup. So I think Kentucky, if they do pick up Miller and Toppin does return, I'm very pleased with that with that front court lineup. For sure. And Leonard Miller, I I know Terrence Jones was a much stronger body, much stronger presence, but lefty, athletic, uh, versatile. So kind of kind of similar players in that regard. Um yeah, but like you mentioned, I, I think the G League is priority number one for him. Um, you know, you, you see some reports out there that he must not be very uh academic oriented. I, I don't think he wants to sit in classrooms and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, I haven't heard anything about the Arizona visit yet. I know he was, he was heading out there. Um, so I, I haven't heard anything about that. I would, I would guess just reading the tea leaves that the G league is, is where he wants to be. But I would, I would also guess a big part of that visit to Kentucky was probably selling him on NIL, right? How much money he can make at Kentucky and and how yep. great the fan base can be. Um, so if he does come, it, it's because NIL is worth sitting through a class, you know, on, on Kentucky's campus. Uh, but man, yeah, you, you, again, you talk about a really good defensive lineup, Leonard Miller out there with, with his length, like you said, that would be, I mean, again, we might be fantasizing a little bit. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, if Leonard Miller wants to come, you take him. Absolutely. And just, Talking about a defensive lineup, you you briefly mentioned Casein Wallace and talking about his highlights during the the uh, the Jordan uh, the Jordan uh, Classic. That was not a foul, at least from from the oh, angle no. that no, from, no, no, from no. the angle like that that block was clean. Two hands bent him at the rim. I, that was beautiful. And but then that also kid got glassed. Yeah, yeah. He he uh, he he got yeeted on. Um, but but yeah, Casein Wallace, Leonard Miller, Kentucky. I mean, man. There are so many reasons to be excited about this upcoming season. I just don't understand why some fans are still out here saying is like Cal can't coach and like we should let him go and different things like that. Like I understand being frustrated, but like look ahead, dude, we went nine and 16 two years ago. We've turned things around like that. That's that's because of the resources and our ability to do so. Like we've done what we've needed to do. If Sharp comes back, if Miller commits, all these different things are on the table. Just be excited for a second. Yeah, Unfortunately, it's just, 
it's just that back-to-back nine and 16 year, but then you come back and, and you have a, a solid season. You get a two seed. You were probably mm-hmm. one win away in the sec tournament from being a one seed. Uh, but then boom, you had to lose in the first round and that just puts the sour taste, right? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like I said, I, I think it's a loud, but small portion uh, of the fan base, uh, but they are loud. You're right. And there's a lot of, let's just call them kind of cow haters right now. And um, to be honest, we just, as a program, just got to go out and win more games next year. And that's about the only way you can fix it. Tell you what I'm looking forward to is, is midnight madness in October. So that maybe people will start to really get to visualize some of these guys and, and get to see that game. So, all right, before we wrap up our conversation with Matt Upchurch, want to tell you guys about our friends at athletic greens, athletic greens is something that I personally use every day. Started taking it a few weeks ago because I wanted better gut health wanted a supplement that tastes great with one delicious scoop of athletic greens. You're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, and probiotics. This special blend of ingredients supports your health, your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus. It hits everything, literally covers everything. And on top of that, it's lifestyle friendly. So whether that means you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you're going to be just fine contains less than one gram of sugar. There's no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And it's absolutely fantastic for you. And it costs you less than $3 a day. So when you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit, and it's cheaper than getting all of the different supplements yourself. You are investing. If you invest in athletic greens in an all-in-one nutritional insurance and to make it easy, athletic greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Uh, but, but anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about with the front court and Oscar Shibway returning. The final thing that I wanted to talk with you, Matt about is an article that I saw two days ago and I recorded an episode kind of discussing this and I wanted to get your thoughts on this article. It's three common gripes with John Calipari and Kentucky basketball. This was written by Mark Story. Uh, Link is in the description of yesterday's episode. I might as well put it in today's episode as well, but I'm going to go through these common gripes with you and just kind of get your thought on what Mark has to say about it and see if you essentially agree. So Let's go ahead and start here with gripe one. He says that the fan base, one of the most common complaints is that Calipari's outmoded offensive system or outmoded, excuse me, keeps undermining Kentucky. And he said the the reality is essentially that if Kentucky had made their free throws, they would have won the game. And he said, while Kentucky's offensive style isn't like Golden States with like the four out one in, they're not necessarily modern in the way that they like to space the floor and shoot it. It still is one of the more efficient offenses in all of college basketball is six, according to Ken Palm last season in terms of offensive efficiency. He said what he thinks is more of a concern is the fact that the defense fell off towards the end of the season goes through lists the efficiency numbers there. I understand where Mark's coming from here about saying like the fan base is complaining about something that they shouldn't be 
around the offense because it still is one of the more efficient in the game. What my perspective is, like, while that may be true, I do kind of want to see him maybe implement some new things in this offense, maybe some new sets, maybe something fresh, maybe something like he was talking. I'm not necessarily asking for Kentucky to run down the floor and fog up a three every single possession and, and nobody even touch the paint. What I'm asking for is just maybe something a little fresh for maybe some of these new recruits to see and be like, okay, not only are they a prestigious program that can get me a really good NIL deal and get me to the NBA, but I'm going to be running some stuff that I'll probably see at the next level, and I'm running stuff that I will see other opponents use. That's just my take on it. I also think it's big in recruiting. Um, you know, you you look at, just kind of off the top of my head, you, you look at North Carolina down the stretch, right? You had R.J. Davis and Caleb Love making play after play after play. Uh, you look at Duke. Paolo Bancaro and Jeremy Roach making all kinds of plays. Um, it doesn't seem like Cal's players have that kind of freedom. They, it doesn't seem like they have that kind of, of wiggle room, if you will. Now, did De'Aaron Fox? Did Malik Monk? Yeah, absolutely. But if you have severe Wheeler instead, and Kellen Grady, who can't really create his own shot, uh, David Mintz, who can't create his own shot, and I know Ty Ty was kind of hampered, but I, I, think you, uh, I think when you have a very structured offense like Cal has, um, oftentimes it's been called the mover blocker. Uh, Virginia has, has run it for, for a long time, but you kind of have those, those guys on the baseline setting screens for, let's just say Ty Ty running from one wing to the next and kind of fake in which way he's going to cut. Uh, essentially what you're recruiting kids to do is to have four of you standing still and one guy moving. Um, and, and I just don't think, I think that's maybe why he's missing out on some big guys. Um, We'll see if Shaden Sharp comes back. I mean, obviously Shaden will want to play for it, but if he just wanted to come for a semester and train and, and use Kentucky's facilities, then that's kind of another big miss. But I, I think right now you probably have Duke on the recruiting trail, Kansas. I think you probably have North Carolina, you know, recruiting the same guys Coach Cal is, and they're saying, hey, he, he's playing in a board. You're going to stand around. You know, you're not going to have the balls often. You're not going to be able to, to have freedom of, of play. And I think that's kind of my, my biggest gripe right now with Cal's offense. Um, the other one, I know, I think they finished top five in Ken Palm this, this year in offensive um, efficiency. You have to go back to 2016 to find them in the top 10. Um, mm. Now they're nowhere near last, but I did crunch those numbers today. Uh, you know, they're, they're out the nine and 16 season. Let's just throw it out, but they were barely inside uh, the top 50 there. Uh, they've got a couple seasons, you know, 2018, 2019, where they're barely inside the top 25. Um, so I, I think there's some gripes there. Yeah, I mean, I think 2017, they were 12th. Um, but it's been since 2016, since they were in, inside the top 10. Right. So so this year w was good, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think fans are, are probably a little wrong on that one. But at the same time... Uh, I like to see it better for sure. Right. It's not been the most consistent under coach Calipari in terms of offensive efficiency. And I'll say, I mean, there are, there are like two, two sides of the spectrum to this. You can either be extremely restrictive in what you allow your kids to do and only bring in a certain type of personnel and not necessarily have the luxury of going out and recruiting somebody that can work in isolation because, you know, he, he's not going to want to come and play in your system or you could be like, let's stick in the sec here a team like auburn and bruce pearl's offensive philosophy is like 
We're going to run early stuff and we're going to let our kids do whatever they want early in the offense. They make the decisions. They have the opportunity to create whatever they want to. But if there's nothing there, we're going to work into the flex a little bit. Right. But that's the give and take there at Auburn is they could be so much better if they just had a little bit more discipline on the offensive end instead of fogging up threes from half court. Now the kids have the ability to make that occasionally, just not consistently enough. But like with a team like Auburn, you will struggle in certain games if you're if your players that create in isolation can't knock down shots. It's like if you had a little bit more you had a little bit more balance and a little bit more discipline you could be a lot more efficient and then you know flip back to what we were saying about Kentucky is like maybe if they let their kids have a little bit more control over the offense it would maybe make it a little bit more fun and i understand what you're saying like as it's a really good recruiting pitch um but at but at the end of the day i think there's a there's a middle ground there between something like auburn and something like kentucky i understand where fans are coming from um but at the same time like last year with the personnel that Kentucky had being extremely strict, they were efficient. Now, a lot of that had to do with Sheepway, and I'm curious to see what the offensive looks look offense looks like after he's gone. But that's just my take on it. I think there's a middle ground there uh, between and, those two. And also, don't forget, I mean, Kellen Grady was was on pace at one point to to set a single season you know shooting record for three point shots. So he was mm-hmm. incredibly you know efficient as well. And then obviously, you know, kind of kind of fell off down the stretch, but. Um, yeah, so for this year, you had two players that were having career seasons, you know, at one point. And then the last thing I'll say on it is you look at, at what uh, Muscleman is doing at Arkansas right now. Nobody mm-hmm. can believe how many studs he's bringing in, uh, but he's doing it because he has an NBA system and, and that's kind of the pitch and, and the style of play. So, and yeah, I mean, k- kids care. They want to know how they're going to be used and they want to know what kind of style they're going to be playing for sure. The second gripe that Mark says the fan base has is Calipari cares more about putting players in the NBA than he does winning for Kentucky. And then he said, the reality is it's perfectly valid to question Calipari's decision to market Kentucky to recruits as the quickest path to the NBA rather than as a uniquely special place to play college hoops. But then he also points out, it's like, well, he Mark believes that the strategy there, while it may not be what fans prefer, it's what's getting some of these high profile guys and that's what leads to winning. Right. And that's, that's what Mark's essentially saying in this article. It's like, well, I think that coach Cal actually does really want to win. This is just the way that he's trying to do it. Now, whether or not the fan base agrees with that or not is just up for the fan base to kind of feel out. Right. But I don't really know where I stand on this. I understand why Cal does what he does. I understand trying to pitch kids coming to the NBA. Uh, I would like to see, as NIL becomes more and more of a thing and we really get to feel it out and figure out what it's about and maybe there are some restrictions set on it in the future, I don't know. But I would like to see Kentucky try and utilize NIL a little bit more as a recruiting pitch. And that's that's really the only thing that I have to say on it. But but what's your thought, Matt? Yeah, I I can't imagine there's any Kentucky fan who actually thinks Cal doesn't care about winning. But you know, uh, he he's made some some comments. You know, it, let's just be upfront. Was it 2010 NBA draft? He said this is the greatest night in program history, right? When all those guys were drafted in the first round, I mean that rubbed a lot of uh, a bit BBN the wrong way. Um, then you get into like I, I, it was this year after they lost to Tennessee in the SEC tournament, w- where he said, "Well, at least now I can get home early to my dogs." Uh, I mean, again, you're you're talking about the wrong message you're sending to the fans. Um, But yeah, you're right. I mean, the NBA thing is a hundred percent targeted towards 
towards recruiting. And if you go into that practice facility, which is what every single recruit does all along the walls, he has the NBA card, the NBA profile card of every coach Cal player that is playing the NBA. Uh, so it, it is, you're surrounded by, and literally you, as a recruit, you walk in, you are surrounded by, by NBA talent. Um, I think it could have gone a long way if, if two years later, when Cal, you know, 2010, we made that comment two years later, when he won the national championship, if he would have just said a quick, now this is the greatest night in program history. Um, no, Cal wants to win If you pay attention to any games, he wants to win. He's coaching, he's sweating. I mean, he's getting into it. He's pleading with his players. I've been in coach Cal practices and at his clinics, he absolutely wants to, to win. Um, I think Kentucky fans every now and then would like to see him more as a coach rather than a promoter or a marketer. And I think that's what it comes down to, but you don't hear those, those comments very often when the team is doing really well, let's just leave it at that. Right. Right. You don't necessarily hear the comments on the extreme side of them, but I do understand where fans are coming from. Like you just said, being less of a marketer, being more of a coach, I can understand that, but at the end of the day, I do think that Cal is is trying to win. There's one more gripe here, Matt, and then we'll let you get out of here. Uh, Mark says that the third gripe is Calipari's disdain for calling a timeout to set up a play in late-game situations is bad strategy. And he's, he explains what happened with St. Peter's and how Kentucky had like 17 and a half seconds left. They had the opportunity to, to call a timeout. Everybody knows what happened. And then he said, well, does a timeout actually matter because – Look at what Kentucky did against Michigan in the Elite Eight, right? They called a timeout, I believe. They set up a play, and then uh, Aaron Harrison made a, made a three and essentially won them the game, right, at the end. It wasn't a buzzer beater, but he won, won them the game. And then the very next game, they played Wisconsin. They didn't take a timeout, and then Aaron Harrison hit another three. And what I said on yesterday's show was two things. Number one, that comes back to what we were talking about, about recruiting the personnel that can do that type of thing in that situation, regardless of whether or not you call a timeout. And I don't think Kentucky currently has that on roster. So that, that's just my thought on that. But also at the same time, if we're talking about the Elite Eight or the Final Four, as opposed to the, the round of 64, my perspective is I understand where Mark's coming from and saying that a timeout doesn't necessarily matter in either situation. You don't want the defense to get set up but but whatever but like if you have gone 39 and a half minutes in a dog fight with a 15 seed and you have the ball with a chance to win the game i'm probably calling a timeout because after seeing 39 and a half minutes of my team struggle they're probably not in the best place mentally so i'm probably going to get them set up knowing that we are the more athletic team we are the more dominant team we arguably if you put both of those teams in that same situation they probably win the game more often than St. Peter's would just simply because of their athleticism. So that was my thing is like, I still would have liked to have seen Cal try to take a timeout knowing the type of personnel Kentucky has and knowing the situation wouldn't have gone down. If he had, if he hadn't, like he did, I'm not like crying myself to sleep over it, but you know, it's just something that I would have liked to have seen. Yeah. I mean, up front as, as a high school coach, say right away, you can win either way. Right. right. You can win with a timeout. You can win playing. I, I think the very first game John Wall ever played at Kentucky, he hit a buzzer beater shot on uh, just playing. Cal, Cal let him go. Uh, Davian Mintz hit a buzzer beater or a game winning shot last year against Vanderbilt on a play Cal drew up in a timeout. 
I know the nine and 16 season is, you know, we don't want to talk about, but I think there were two games, uh, Notre Dame and another one where Cal called a timeout, drew up the play he wanted, and it got Olivier Saar, the perfect mid-range jumper that that he could knock down. Now, he missed both of them, but it got the shot he wanted. Um, then you mentioned Aaron Harrison, you know, kind of playing through the play. If we go to that St. Peter's game, Lance, what I would have liked to see differently is Cal just let the team play rather than, I, I want to say Wheeler had the ball, but rather than Wheeler just bouncing the ball up top, you know, I would have rather Kentucky just played and tried to go score in transition, tried to take find some kind of advantage. But when you stand up top and you bounce the ball, the entire St. Peter's defense got set. You know, yeah. I mean, nobody was scrambling. So, so you let them get organized. Um, so I, I would have liked to, to play fast and, and try to create, if you miss, guess what? You still have a chance to foul and send them to the free throw line and extend the game. Um, I would have, yeah, that, that's what I would have changed about that game is just trying to play fast and, 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 you know, getting to the rim, making them foul, making them make a decision, something like that. And then the other thing, um, is you have to have something with the guys you've had all season to practice. Hey, if we're in a late game situation, you know, down one, down two, tied, listen listen for the call. It's going to be head tap or it's going to be chin tap or something like that, and all the players know exactly what to do. They don't have to call timeout. Um, but, I, I mean, you're right. I mean, think about it. it, it if Kentucky scores on that play, nobody's talking about it. You know what right. I mean? But I, I would have liked to seen the St. Peter's for sure, like you said. Uh, it, there, there wasn't much of a mismatch out there that that we we're going to take advantage on. Everybody was sitting right there on Oscar. Um, you know, you, you don't have John Wall out there. You don't have Darren Fox out there. So, no, I, I think it's by feel. It's by situation. If you feel good about where you are, then, then you just let them play. But if you're currently tied with a 15 seed, there's no way you can feel good about where you are. Yeah, regardless of whether or not you call a timeout or not. And it's so like what, what I was saying is like I would have liked to have seen it but like even then, like if he had called a timeout and we hadn't scored, I wouldn't be crying myself to sleep over that either. It's just like like you said, it's very situational. And so my kind of my kind of my takeaway from the article is that I don't think that that's a valid complaint because, like Mark said, we've seen it go different ways. Now, personally, again, just to say it for like the third or fourth time, I would have liked to have seen a timeout timeout in the St. Peter situation. Also, like what you were saying is like maybe see if you can throw them off a little bit, kind of try and get something at the rim quickly. I think that's a good strategy as well. Just anything to make sure that they they don't get set or anything to make sure that they're not prepared for something. Um, but yeah, I um, I think that after looking through this article, you know, some of those I've heard, some of those complaints I've heard, some of them not as extreme, but overall, I think Mark made some really good points and and I understand where he's coming from and just saying like, let's try and bring things down to reality. Definitely, yeah. It, and that's a good story on his part for sure. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, Matt. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Tell everybody where they can find your podcast. Uh, you can find it at Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to pod- podcasts. Just search, uh, it's down at the bottom of the screen there, but just search uh, at the Kentucky 15 on Twitter. I've got links there, uh, or you can open up Spotify and search the Kentucky 15 links to Matt's podcast, as well as his Twitter will be in the description below, both on podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show here on Twitter at locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Daw underscore, and you can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky podcast. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Have a great rest of your day and God bless.